This is John Henry Weston coming to you from Rome on this January 5th, 2023. We are here at the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI. As you can see uh, behind me, there's still the fog lifting in the morning. It's a cool uh, five degrees Celsius here, and we just passed by hundreds, if not thousands, of priests and religious queuing to get into the funeral. And there are here hundreds of the faithful. As you can see, media crowding behind us here as we all cover this historic day. I've got a lot to offer to you as well today on this special episode of the John Henry Weston Show. We're going to have a look at President Biden's kind of very odd response uh, to his press secretary saying that Pope Benedict seemed to not want the Bidens to come. We know that Trudeau is also not coming. These sort of Catholic leaders uh, from America are not here. But there are dignitaries here. The Queen of Spain um, and her husband Juan Carlos, maybe we're not sure yet, also the King of Belgium, King Philippe, was here as well. Of course, the um, Prime Minister uh, Viktor Orban from uh, Hungary was here. So many dignitaries present. We're going to bring you that and much more on this special episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And let's pray, especially for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict, for whom we're praying today at this, at this Mass. I want to take you back a couple days now to President Biden. President Biden, who fancies himself a Catholic, was asked if he was going to the funeral, first of all, what he thought about Pope Benedict. Take a look at his response. What did Pope Benedict mean to you as a Catholic? Well, I, I had an opportunity to spend some time with Pope Benedict, a couple hours, and... Uh, and uh, he uh, was a great, it reminded me going back to theology class. We spoke about Aquinas and about Summa Theologica and the whole way. I found him to be uh, uh, relaxing, very rational, and uh, he was a more conservative view within the Catholic realm than I have. We're closely approach the present Pope in terms of his philosophy, his view. Well, I, I, I admired him. I thought he was a fine man. You're not attending his funeral tomorrow, though. Why? Well, why do you think? Well, you tell me. You know why, I can't. You can tell me, sir. Uh, the reason I'm not attending the funeral tomorrow is because it takes an entourage of 1,000 people to show up, not literally. But we would, we would move everything in the wrong direction. I inquired about it. And the people are sending mostly their apostolic delegates, their, the folks in Rome. That's what we're going to do. We would just get in the way. But I, I made my views known. I Anyway, I think he's a fine man. Okay, so there is his response. Now, get this. He says, you know, how undiplomatic can you get? But he's saying he is much more in common with Pope Francis. Surprise, surprise. And he says that, you know, uh, Benedict is conservative. But then this nonsense about are you going? No. And then why do you think? So that's unbelievable. And then when pressed on it, then he gives some cockamamie answer about how it would take a thousand people and, his, and then it's all nonsense. We got a little bit more clarity, maybe, from the press secretary. Check out these comments from President Biden's press secretary. As the president said in his statement, as I'm sure you saw, he joins Catholics and so many others around the world in mourning the passing of Pope uh, Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI. He will always uh, remember uh, the Pope 
generosity and, me and meaningful conversation they had when he visited the Vatican in 2011. So to answer your question, uh, the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, Joe Donnelly, will uh, represent the United States at the funeral of the Pope in line with the wishes of the late Pope and the Vatican. This is what uh, this is what their requests were. This is what their wishes were. Uh, and so uh, that's what you'll see. So that's exactly why we have commentary all around Rome now that Pope Benedict himself requested Biden not to come to the funeral. Now, wouldn't that be interesting? There are a lot of interesting things. You might have seen our coverage from yesterday. We were here yesterday. We had gone in to see the body of Pope Benedict, to pray for him there. Um, had a great talk with our Rome correspondent, Michael Haynes, uh, talking about uh, Benedict and the legacy that he leaves. We had a great interview with uh, Bishop Schneider, who regrets that he can't be here, but gave us some amazing reflections. I encourage you to go watch that show from yesterday. But just before, we're going to go in now to the funeral of Pope Benedict, but just before we do, you really need to have a glimpse of Pope Benedict in his younger days. I know many of you have seen him now, an aging, aging man, and someone who, you know, can hardly speak. And we've seen him kind of in a way these last number of years, like we did John Paul II, you know, dying away. But with him, not as Pope. In fact, he was actually, believe it or not, two years longer in retirement from the papacy than he was Pope itself. But here's a glimpse of Pope Benedict really in his glory days. In fact, this is when he was still Cardinal Ratzinger. He spoke about what would become Sumorum Pontificum, that great document that will forever be his legacy to restore the traditional Latin Mass. This was a conversation he had before becoming Pope with Raymond Arroyo on EWTN about Latin in the Mass, about the Latin Mass, and about its need to continue. And that would, had someone seen that then, could have prophesied Sumorum Pontificum. Take a look and listen to his excellent English. Generally, I think it was good to translate the liturgy in the spoken languages mm -hmm. because we will understand, we will participate also with our thinking mm -hmm. and so. But uh, a stronger presence of some elements of Latin would be helpful to give the universal dimension, to give the possibilities that in all the parts of the world we can see I am in the same church. Mm -hmm. So generally, uh, popular language is uh, is a, a good, good solution, mm -hmm. solution, but uh, some presence of Latin could be helpful to have more experience of universality. I know you are working on those new liturgical, uh, this new liturgical piece of legislation that the Pope previewed mm -hmm. in his encyclical on the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. We've been hearing a great deal from Cardinal Lorenze and and in some publications that this may be a precursor to a universal indult for the Tridentine Mass. Do you foresee that at all? I would distinguish between this future document and the problem of the indult. The future document is not a new legislation, but interpretation of given norms. So uh, uh, we have only to interpret, to clarify what is abuse and what is really uh -huh. uh, application of the liturgy. In this sense, it's very limited, the possibility of this document, a clarification of abuses and clarification of norms uh, in this moment. The other is a different problem. 
I think generally uh, the old liturgy was never prohibited. We need only norms how in peace uh, apply it so that the Reformed liturgy is the normal liturgy of the community of the church, but the author is always a valid liturgy of the church, can be used, but in obedience to the bishops and to the Holy Father. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a great challenge, I know, in some parts of the church and in other parts of the church. Uh, they've embraced uh, the Pope's call for more yes, frequent uh, yes. practice. I think it's mass. important to to be open to this possibility and to uh, demonstrate so also the continuity of the church. We are today not another church. And from there, let's go into the funeral. Now you know this man, you've been able to see him, hear him in our own tongue. Yes, with a German accent, but... It was so beautiful to get to know Benedict a little bit better. So with that in your mind and in your heart, won't you join us right now? We're going to go in and take in the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI. And here you can see the pallbearers are bringing out the body of Benedict XVI in a cypress wood casket. This casket actually will be later today placed into a zinc coffin and finally covered in a wood case to be buried under St. Peter's Basilica. And as you can see here, there are tens of thousands of faithful here in St. Peter's Square on this very cold day. We are up here on the colonnade of St. Peter's, right on top of the columns. That's why you can see these beautiful views of the cardinals, the bishops processing in. We just prayed the Holy Rosary in Latin. And as you can hear now, the beginning of the hymns for the funeral mass of Pope Benedict XVI. Please watch. We're so pleased to bring you this coverage really with a view to you joining us in prayer for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict. And here is Pope Francis being wheeled out in his wheelchair into the square, packed again with tens of thousands of pilgrims. Jim is filming here from atop the colonnade in St. Peter's Square at the funeral of Pope Benedict, who from the age of five wanted to give his life to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So here in the entrance antiphon or entrance hymn they're singing, eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. To you our praise is due in Zion, O God. To you we pay our vows, you who hear our prayer. To you all flesh will come with its burden of sin. Too heavy for us our offenses, but you wipe them away. Blessed he whom you choose and call to dwell in your courts. We are filled with the blessings of your house, of your holy temple. You keep your pledge with wonders, O God our Savior, the hope of all the earth and of far distant isles. O God, who in your wondrous providence chose your servant Benedict to preside over your church, grant, we pray, that having served as the vicar of your Son on earth, he may be welcomed by him into eternal glory. These again are the verses, the prayers being offered here at this papal funeral mass of Pope Benedict XVI. They're saying, now remember your servant, Pope Emeritus Benedict, whom you chose, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body 
after the pattern of his own glorious body. As we receive sacred sustenance from your charity, O Lord, we pray that your servant Benedict, who was a faithful steward of your mysteries on earth, may praise your mercy forever in the glory of the saints, through Christ our Lord. In his homily, Pope Francis is saying, God's faithful people gathered here now accompanies and entrusts him to the life of the one who was their pastor. Like the women at the tomb, we too have come with the fragrance of gratitude and the balm of hope in order to show him once more the love that is undying. We want to do this with the same wisdom, tenderness and devotion that he bestowed upon us over the years. Together we want to say, Father, into your hands we commend his spirit. Benedict, faithful friend of the bridegroom, may your joy be complete as you hear his voice now and forever. So after, these are some of the prayers being said by Pope Francis. Dear brothers and sisters, in celebrating the sacred mysteries, we have opened our minds and hearts to joy-filled hope. With confidence, we now offer our final farewell to Pope Emeritus Benedict and commend him to God, our merciful and loving Father. Deliver Pope Emeritus Benedict from death, that he may sing God's praises in the heavenly Jerusalem in expectation of the resurrection of his mortal body on the last day. May the Blessed Virgin Mary, Queen of the Apostles and Salus Populi Romani, intercede before the Eternal Father that he may reveal the face of Jesus, his son, to Pope Emeritus Benedict and console the Church on her pilgrimage through history as she awaits the Lord's return. And finally, Pope Francis prays, Gracious Father, we commend to your mercy Pope Emeritus Benedict, whom you made successor of Peter and shepherd of the Church, a fearless preacher of your word and a faithful minister of the divine mysteries. Welcome him, we pray, into your heavenly dwelling place to enjoy eternal glory with all your chosen ones. We give you thanks, Lord, for all the blessings that in your goodness you bestowed upon him for the good of your people. And now we have the Schola Choir singing the beautiful hymn In Paradisum. May the angels lead you into paradise. May the martyrs come and welcome you and take you to the holy city and the new and eternal Jerusalem. May choirs of angels welcome you and with Lazarus, who is poor no longer. May you have eternal rest. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. The funeral mass for Pope Benedict XVI has just concluded. In fact, the Bavarian marching band uh, continues down Via della Conciliazione, away from the Vatican, We're just streaming out of the Vatican, tens of thousands of people, as well as thousands of prelates and religious. 
We were there on top of the Colonnade Gym, uh, Michael Hale and myself. It was freezing cold, not as cold as Canada, of course, but it was still cold, especially for the Romans. You'll notice they're all in parkas and hats and everything else. But I hope you've joined us in praying for the Holy Father. I want to bring Michael Haynes on for a minute just to uh, discuss your reactions to the, uh, to the funeral mass and to the homily of Pope Francis. It's, it's always an impressive moment to see a papal funeral. They don't come around often. And it, I think particularly uh, Pope Benedict was the pope who I knew growing up. And to see him lying there, as we were discussing, just in a, a simple coffin, very, very simple coffin, it could have been anybody, except for the, as you say, the hundreds of prelates, the thousands of priests gathered around in the square. And then it's even rarer to get a pope burying another pope. I mean, that, that's that's kind of unheard of, untold of. Um, it was, it was particularly poignant. I found um, very moving to see Cardinal Zen come in uh, just before the start of Mass, and he was sitting on the front row of the Cardinals there. Uh, he got permission from the Chinese Communist Party to leave Hong Kong uh, just for five days. It was very, very beautiful. Yes, and himself having suffered, I would think, a lot uh, in terms of what's going on. What's going on with the coffin is interesting. As I was mentioning there during the Mass, he's in a cypress wood uh, casket right now that will be put into a zinc coffin which will then be surrounded by a wooden box and then buried in the crypt under St. Peter's there. What is the symbolism of a lot of what's gone on? We saw a lot of cardinals in red, we saw a lot of bishops there obviously, but what is the point of making such a big deal of a funeral mass for the send-off of Pope Benedict? What's the church's sort of goal in having this mass? I think with every funeral, there is the point that as Catholics, we're coming to pray together for the soul of the person who's just died, particularly more so for the Pope, because it's it's a scary thing for every parent. So you have charge of your children, for every he has charge of his flock in the parish, but for a Pope, he has charge of the souls of the church, which is just an unbelievable responsibility. All the more important, I think, and it's something which is too easy to forget for us to come to pay our respects, and but more importantly, to pray for the Pope. Excellent. Let me do this. Now, this is quite interesting. This is for the first time we have on film anyway, both our Rome correspondents here. Louis Kanafki, if you could come on in. So here on either side of me are both our Rome correspondents, Michael Haynes and Louis Kanafki. You've probably read a lot about them, but and, and you've seen some of Louis already if you watch the video of him co coverage here. And so it gives me great pleasure to introduce all of you to the both of them who are here permanently and uh, really we're trying to get to know the lay of the land. It's a new lay of the land because it is uh, a very strange place now that Pope Benedict is gone and uh, we're dealing with the aftermath and what will that aftermath be. Before I get to that uh, from you, Lewis, I wanted to ask you your take on the funeral that you were at and what you thought of things. Well. I, I did think it was very beautiful. I was especially impressed, I guess, by the uh, the presence of the Bavarians. Um, I don't know if we caught the uh, the procession out uh, after everything was was finished, but they uh, they brought a marching band and dressed in their their uh, traditional regalia, I think, to honor the Pope. And it's it's a beautiful thing. One of the things Pope Benedict uh, liked, I think, to remind us of uh, was the beauty of tradition. And we have the liturgical traditions uh, that he, you know, opened up more widely to the church, but the cultural traditions as well, you know, that's part of our Catholic heritage. So, Beautiful. Michael and I were talking yesterday about 
the future of the church. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Lewis. Um, some people have suggested that Pope Benedict was sort of a restraining factor on Francis. Of course, that's contested because he put out Traditionis Custodis, um, which, which may have been the final blow for poor Pope Benedict. But what are your thoughts about the future and what have you heard around town? Well, um, I actually have spoken with some priests back in the U.S. Um, about the Latin Mass and the future of the church, the future of uh, the clergy. And I think, uh, one, because of Pope Benedict's motu proprio, uh, the youth of the church have really um, been exposed to the, the beauty of the old Mass, and they don't understand now why it's been taken from them. And in a certain way, that could have been the best thing that could have happened for the Latin Mass, to be honest. I think um, those who are young, who are devout, love the liturgy and the traditions of the church, and now they're, they're not going to let go. And so I think, you know, if we think uh, several decades out, both uh, young priests and uh, young laity, um, when they can, they're going to bring the old mass back and it's going to come back like none other. I think 50 years out from now, that's what the future of the church is. The Latin mass, uh, big families, traditional families, uh, traditional Catholic education. So, you know, we're, we're not seeing it right now, but I think the seeds have been planted, and I think a few decades out, it's going to blossom. I think one of the most beautiful things and a, and a great way for us to close out is to look at the last testament of uh, Pope Benedict. Um, he left that last testament in which he encouraged people to stand firm and to not be confused. Um, I think in the words of you know, um, Bishop Schneider, who commented on that, relating that directly to the Latin Mass and the need to hold firm to tradition and be courageous and not be confused. I think he recognizes we're coming into this time when even the elect, if it be possible, will be confused. Either of you have a comment on that? Maybe just one thought. It, it certainly is a bit of a confusing time. Uh, having Two, two men in white was a, a bit confusing. You know, that's kind of come come to an end now with the death of Pope Benedict. But God works kind of in his own way and uh, out of confusion, I think, uh, the Holy Spirit, um, the, the Holy Spirit is never conquered. And so, you know, whatever he has in mind for the church, um, that he'll, he'll bring that about. But just before we go, I wanted to get... Jim Hale, who's always behind the camera, on here for a quick second. Hey guys. It's so, so awesome, isn't it, to be here with our Rome correspondent, John amazing. Henry. It's amazing. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to share with everybody, you've been reading the book from Peter Zabald, the yes. big, huge book on Benedict's life. I, I know you're only about halfway through or so. Yeah. Give us the highlights for you and what it means now in light of what we just experienced now with the funeral. Well, John Henry, first of all, just just to say, I mean, when we were up on the colonnade this morning and there was a fog and uh, you would just look at this and, and think this is the glory and the beauty of, of our faith, of our church. Um, and we're all a little anxious, I, I think, to know where, where we go from now. But the Zavald book, wow, I highly recommend it. Micah Hickson did an incredible review of it uh, for Arate Chaley, 
Um, and uh, I would highly recommend that review that, that Micah did. Um, but this is um, glorious biographical writing, talking about uh, Benedict uh, growing up, a young child in Bavaria. It's just so inspirational. Um, he, this, this is a man who wanted to be a priest. He and his brother Georg, they practiced uh, saying the Mass when they were like five years old. Just, just incredible. He had such a pious father who was a, a chief of police, anti-Nazi to the core. Um, and now, but I have to tell you, the book is shocking and really quite astonishing to know just what a titanic, um, controversial figure that Joseph Ratzinger was when he was 35 years old when Vatican II started in 1962. And um, it's not an overestimation to say that he is arguably the most influential uh, advisor um, that there was at Vatican II. That's just a, a little tease for you. Of course, we know that that he he had a, 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 an eventual change of heart later, but um, just to, to be here today and look down at that simple wooden casket t today and to, just to know who this man was, the mark that he made on our church, it was just extraordinary. But but yes, I highly recommend the Zavald, uh, uh, it's a two-volume biography. I'm almost done with volume one. Uh, it, it just helps you understand so much of the Catholic Church in the 20th century. It, it does, and, and it's, that's very controversial. There was a, a light peddling on that because, yeah. you know, the stuff that he's responsible for with regard to the council is, is quite severe that we look at it now. Yeah. I do wonder when his conversion was. Uh, yeah, that's, when when yeah, he right. changed heart, as you said, right. because there's a very stark difference from the man really behind getting rid of the schema at the Second Vatican Council, which were great documents. If you don't know what they are, please look to LifeSite. We've got them up there uh, translated into English. But um, really, that, that's a story left untold, which needs yeah. to be told in the coming days. Right, I'm going to go back behind the camera now, John Henry. All right. But uh, um, just, I just want to say what an honor it, it was to be here with you, to, to share this moment with you. I think we all recognize that uh, today is... Um, is hugely significant. This is one of the most historic days, uh, certainly in the history of the Catholic Church in the 21st century. Absolutely. Yeah. We're at the end of an epoch, and I, I think we're going to be seeing some uh, very important things in the coming days. As we said, there'll be lots more from Rome. Tonight is a Requiem Mass in, in a Latin traditional Requiem Mass. Also on Sunday, Cardinal Burke is supposed to be here to celebrate another Requiem Mass um, at the famous Trinita, where the fraternity is here in Rome. So we'll be having lots more from you here in Rome. So, for Michael Haynes, for Louis Konefke, for Jim Hale behind the camera, this is John Henry Weston from Rome for LifeSite News. With the passing away of Pope Benedict XVI, many Catholics felt that they lost a clear and sure point of reference for their faith. One can have the sensation of orphanate, orphaned children. We can say that Pope Benedict XVI was a pope who put at the center of his personal life and of the life of the church the supernatural view of the faith and of the perennial validity of the holy tradition of the church which constitutes the source and the pillar of our faith.
together with the Holy Scripture. In this sense, the greatest and most beneficial act of his pontificate was the motu proprio summorum pontificum with the full restoration of the traditional Latin liturgy in all its expression. Holy Mass, sacraments, and all the other sacred rites. This pontifical act will go down in history as epoch-making. For Benedict XVI states that the traditional rite of the Holy Mass was never abrogated and should remain always in the Church because what was holy for our forefathers and the saints must be holy for us and for the future generations as well. In a time, as it was after the Second Vatican Council, where there was within the Church an almost general movement of a radical rejection of the millennium-old liturgical rite of the Holy Mass, and therefore a rupture with the principle itself of the tradition, the pontificate of Benedict XVI was worthwhile for the only reason of having issued the motu proprio summarum pontificum, with which began the healing of the wound in the body of the Church, the wound which was caused by the attitude of rejection and even hatred of the venerable and millennium-old rule of the prayer of the Church. In his spiritual testament, Pope Benedict XVI left us, among others, the following substantial short phrase, which I consider the most important of all. He wrote, stand firm in the faith. Do not be confused. Hi everyone, this is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this video. And to see more like this, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. So check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.